This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. And this is episode 128. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. This week, we find out all about the wonderful world of fermenting with Eaten Alive, who produce incredibly good kimchi, sauerkraut and hot sauce from the South London HQ. I travelled down there with cookie writer Adam to meet up with founders Glyn and Pat. Glyn talks us through the signs behind fermenting, we discuss some of their more unusual experiments, and we found out that it's actually quite easy to make your own at home. Uh, hey guys, it's uh, Adam. Um, I'm here with Glyn of Eaten Alive, who uh, make many fermented foods. And I'm actually, me and Janine have come down to... Um, Hello. <laughs> I've actually come down to the... Um, what, what would you even... What is it like? The factory. The factory. The fl- we are on the factory floor, technically, yes. above it, yes. um, where they make all of their ferments. Um, and I actually used to work with Glyn, so this is kind of like... This is true. It's kind of almost like a little chat with a mate, to be honest, because Glyn used to be... A, well, still is a very, very good chef, but... Um, he used to be a head pastry <laughs> chef. The <laughs> head pastry chef of uh, several Michelin star restaurants. So I worked with him there. So, yeah. Hi, Glenn. Hello. It's good to see you again. Yes. Thanks, pal. Um, yeah. So basically, tell us how you got to this point. Like, um, yeah. Tell us a bit about your back, company. How far back should we start? Well, I'd like to know how like your love of fermenting sort okay. of got, got like where, um, did, where was your interest peaked? So. You know, it, it actually, I really wanted to be a zoologist when I was a child. Um, <laughs> and uh, honestly, it, it, it's, it's, it, it is a continuation of that. You know, it it's, um, <clears throat> no, it doesn't have to just be with fermented food, but what, what I've, a lot of what I've, I've liked about food, you know, particularly work for people like Simon, uh, people that are... Simon are, Rogan. So, right, pe- people that are, you know, trying to, you know, have a sort of a natural approach to cooking. Right. Um, yeah, it, you, you're, you're, you're indoors, but you're really, it's, you, you, it's quite a direct connection with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fermentation is just, it's just a greater extension of that, you know, where, where a lot, you, you're, it's almost more like, growing something than cooking something you know yeah, so right. we're just uh creating the right um environment for natural bacteria to transform food into something and so you know there's a certain amount of skill on our part but there's also a lot of luck and a lot of just letting nature Time. do the work yeah um so anyway more specifically uh, uh pat my partner who's not here today uh, and i Wanted to open a restaurant. Uh, yeah, I remember you talking about that. We wanted to particularly focus on sort of preserved, fermented stuff. Yeah. Just because, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had planned to do... Obviously, I've been into sourdough for a long time as a pastry yeah. chef. And, you know, we wanted to make our own cheese and charcuterie. Yeah. Then, and we thought, you know, let's uh, let's just sell some pickles for, for a couple of months just sort of as a run-up to opening a restaurant. And, and how, how many years ago are, was like, that? Two and a bit years later. And uh, yeah, still we're still still making pickles, <laughs> struggling. For, yeah, struggling to kind of keep things organised. Um, uh, yeah, it just it, it 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 ended up being a much bigger, uh, more unfamiliar task for ourselves than we than we expected. Yeah. But you know, manufacturing is is is, is a whole different from restaurants. Um, yeah. So, would you still like to have a restaurant? Is that something that you'd like yeah. look into? Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Because um, I think I remember you said talking about like making your own yogurts and kefir and like having yeah. that and like but also as like a wholesale thing, but you could also have it on the yeah, menu. Yeah, I, I and, think. Like, I mean, our dream would be to have a sort of a restaurant slash deli. Yeah. You know where we can do 
healthy lunches and things for people to cook. I think also there's a real interest in people want to cook at home, um, but they don't have a lot of time. I think that's why you're seeing things like Blue Apron and, and uh, uh, what is that, uh, HelloFresh. HelloFresh, right, yeah. right, those boxes. And, right, yeah, right, yeah. And, and, and I mean, so, so yeah, I, I think we would love to be, to be able to sell you know, sell things for people to sort of cook at home. And, uh, you know, this is one of the things that we, we're trying to get across on our social media is, you know, all the different things that people can do with our products. So, yeah, eventually having an opportunity to use up surplus product in, uh, and make delicious food and sell stuff to people and also have a venue to do kind of wankier stuff in the evenings. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that would be great. But we yeah. need to... Uh, we need to sell loads more pickles first to yeah, yeah, keep this place that's, that's... Uh, uh, keep this yeah. place above above water. And I must um, say, we're actually at your new um, factory because yes. um, I actually been to your old one in uh, Wilson Junction yes. uh, in like, North London. Um, so this is like so shiny and new, and it's it's more like a a lab than a factory. I would say. Well, I'm thinking it's more like a kind of crazy lab with. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I you, was. Expect- you've also come in when we weren't working, yeah. so all of the floor, you know, the floors yeah. are completely shiny. At the end yeah. of the day, it's always spotless. Yeah. If you come in in the middle of a <laughs> of a of a ton of kimchi. It, it looks like an episode of Dexter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but that's what I meant with the, the lab stuff. Is this thing is kind of quietly mm. bubbling away? I did. Yeah. I did expect to see a lot more. I don't know. Petri dishes and little, yeah, yeah, little no, kind of bubbly, those bubbly. Sorry, this is all technical. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, this is yeah. There, there. There's an element of that, and and yeah, I would love it one day if we have a, a flow hood and a, and a microscope and some petri dishes and all of that. Right, yeah, a rotor evaporator. Don't don't even yeah. That's that's that's, 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 that's just a joke between me and Glenn. But we used to have one in our I, old restaurant, I, we and like three, we yeah. didn't know what we we knew what it did, but we didn't really see the point of it. Speak for yourself. I knew what it did. Anyway, you didn't know what it did? Yeah. No, I totally knew what it did. I was oh, one of those. Um, yeah. So, no road of app yet. Yeah. Maybe next year. Cool. So, can you, basically, in like layman's terms, for me. Yes. Can you explain, and, and for Janine, explain, well, that, that, she said that, not me. Actually, if you didn't hear that. Um, explain about, for like, for, well, like what fermentation is because it's it's in, and it's, it's a process that so many of our foods have had, like wine, yeah. cheese, chocolate coffee um but it has it seems to be a little bit scary for people to hear fermentation and they think mold or like these things but what actually is it um i'm i think the simplest way the simplest definition is it it, it is um it's a process of uh food being transformed um from its raw state uh by living organisms um so <clears throat> most commonly or the stuff that we do is is lacto lacto fermentation so um it's it is using um salt and temperature and other environmental controls uh to create the right environment in say a, a, a barrel of salted cabbage um for natural naturally occurring uh, lactic acid bacteria mm-hmm. to take hold and they will over the course of sort of weeks they will convert all of the sugars in Available in the in the uh, vegetables into lactic acid, and that that sour lactic acid will preserve them. Will make it very difficult for uh, harmful organisms to get a hold. And it, 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 it's what we now more commonly use vinegar for. Um, and it's just it's 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 a it's a more natural kind of mild uh, acid that's formed. Yeah, um, not as like yeah. sour, more like yes. tangy. And yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit more nuanced and, and also more healthy. Um, so now I should say. There's an awful lot of uh, health claims made about fermented foods. Yeah. And while I personally feel like I'm a lot healthier, I have 
not had a cold in two years. I don't get heartburn anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're really clear that the main reason people should buy our stuff is that it's delicious. That's what inspires us to make it. That's yeah, right. what gets us out of bed. And um, if it is also it doing... Is, it is healthy, but it's not, I think, the, the, this idea that people can latch onto the sort of a latest food trend and that that's going to be, you know, the elixir of life. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of silly. And, and, that, and those flames get really fanned on social media by kind of yeah. half-informed claims about stuff so well, sorry, but, yeah. a, a raw carrot has lots of nutritional benefit yeah. it doesn't mean that you should eat loads and loads and loads yeah, and loads or, of carrots all or day as well, day. yeah the idea yes that like raw foods it's good to eat raw foods but but the idea <clears> that you should therefore exclude everything that's been heated over 40 degrees from your diet without knowing the ins and outs of it to me yeah. sounds just kind of silly yeah uh so yeah um flavor first flavor first eaten alive could you could you give us like a little timeline of for example I'm a huge fan of your um, your It's Alive fermented scotch bonnet sauce. I love yeah. that. Could you just kind of explain how that gets from the raw thing sure. to, to in the bottle, okay. just to, so, so people know how, yep. the, how time is okay. involved? So, and... so, yeah, so that's that's one of our, our longer-term uh, products you've, you've asked about. Um, so there's two... Uh, that's like a two-stage... kind of a two-stage process for that. So, so the initial um, fermentation, we take... Um, uh, sweet peppers, um, cayenne peppers, and uh, scotch bonnets with uh, onions and garlic, and we shred those and salt them at 10% and, and press them down in a barrel with a, a weight so that they stay submerged in their own juices. And then we leave that and we, we check it every couple of weeks um, to see if there's any unwanted growth on the surface uh, for minimum of six months better if you can do it for a year or more yeah so um, in each at the, each bottle that's how long the well like, that one in fact is right so so that's that's for the initial that's, um, that's just the first salt, stage salt fermentation yeah um it then gets blended with um some uh, raw cider vinegar and sugar um and then it, i mean then it is pretty much we, we have them shelf life tested for one year but mm-hmm. i've had bottles from our from our first batch that have been sitting for two years in my kitchen and then they only get better. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there's a... Um, then m- most of the bacteria is, is pretty much stopped by adding the vinegar. You have right. some you have some um, acetobacter, which is like the vinegar mother that people talk about, right. also being a kind of a health product. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, yeah, because of that high acidity, it's, it, it's almost impossible for anything else to get a hold. Um, and, yeah, we find that it... it really improves with age even after you've added the vinegar there's something about you taste it after a month and it's just mellowed and rounded out a bit so yeah. you know what we'd like to be able to do is is make sure that all of our sauces are, are being aged you know the first the first aging for a year the second aging for another year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're working towards that but yeah no, it's takes, it takes a little it takes a little while and of course the problem is that if we make a product and it goes really well and we sell all of us uh, we might have to wait six months for more so, so there's a constant scramble uh, dilemma of how much how much is something to make yeah and, yeah right uh, that's that one we do, we have some other things that we've been experimenting making misos and stuff like that uh and yeah some of those are a year or longer um and mm-hmm. it's quite hard to be patient hey guys so glenn's business partner pat has now just sat down so hello pat Hello, hi, hi to me. <laughs> yeah, and you. Um, yeah, where where were we? I can't even remember. What... Uh, timelines. Timelines. Yeah. So after, so it's basically a whole year for your scotch bonnet. That is like how long it takes to. Yes, potentially. Optimally. Yeah. Optimally. Yeah. 
but you can you could push it through to six months if, uh, if... yeah i mean it's just a uh, it, it, you could but it just that it just sort of highlights the whole thing about fermentation it's all exactly the same ingredients but six months difference uh, will make a big difference mm-hmm. um, we've also noticed i mean we've debated how much the sort of heat of a chili of like a, a hot sauce sort of mellows over time uh, right. i think that it does although less you're less convinced sure. about that i don't know anyway um, Glenn's convinced my chili capacity is waning over time, but it may just be that he's eating too much, too many unripe ferments and yeah. blowing his brains off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no. yes. Well, yeah, we've been we've been discussing uh, that that giant barrel of yellow uh, yellow mash you saw downstairs. We've yeah, been, uh, so so we a, had a little poked our head in. involved discussion about how whether it's too hot or yeah hot enough. Yeah, uh, so we we poked our head into a bucket and in the fridge downstairs, which was like. A, kilos 250 liters of like yellow scotch bonnets and peppers and onions it's basically molten lava it's molten lava and you see yeah it's a glimmer saying it's like they're gonna but have it will to be delicious when it's ready completely I got, I got some of it in my eye yesterday i can tell you <laughs> it was very and painful and that's he's actually wearing a pair of glasses and he yeah. never wore glasses before so he must have done something yeah. <laughs> so the, the chili sauce we're, we're talking yes it, presumably the kimchi is a bit more of a quick turnover then yeah 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 so that um sort of two to three weeks uh, uh, it takes us for the kimchi normally and, and for our sauerkrauts about six weeks is usually about right sometimes I mean it will go faster in the, things will go faster in the summer but uh, but it's not they're better if, if they go slowly this is time of year that everything is sort of at its best because uh, you're getting that balance between fermentation and speed and yeah the, the... no and not just that but in, in summertime all the vegetables have got like a higher you more things go wrong in the summertime and it's not just because of the air temperature but because there are more yeasts and just, just a higher count of sort of unwanted organisms on, yeah, yeah. on the vegetables. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've had more problems in, in hot weather than <clears throat> any other time. Mm-hmm. And in the winter, it can just take a month longer than you expect. Yeah, so. yeah. And is every sort of batch of kimchi, does it taste slightly different or will it? Or is it something that you can just kind of regiment? Yeah, of course, it'll taste a little bit different, just like making bread or, or, or anything else. But, no, I mean, we're, it's pretty consistent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's more that the same batch will change over time anyway. So, you know, we'll send things out with a month shelf life mm-hmm. on a jar and it, it will it will be good at the end of that month but it will taste different it will taste kind of stronger and more sour yeah um but in korea you know people buy kimchi quite fresh or sort of barely fermented and then all the way through use so. it, yeah and then you'll just use it at very you know use it for different things at different stages of uh fermentation what's like the oldest kimchi you could buy in korea is it like really i, d- I don't know i have no idea we have Old. some um of our original test pilot samples from like three years ago that are what in your fridge at home yeah they look like they're probably fine to eat although i haven't dared try them <laughs> yeah, yeah. for a while but um but i'm um, we got production samples that must be about four four months out of date um make adam eat it <laughs> i will i will do that off 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 camera i mean it, camera it, it'll be absolutely fine and delicious yeah. it just to be honest the reason that we put a reasonably short date for these kind of products um, is because we think that they're at their best right. when they're... And you get the most kind of nuanced flavours and you get the 
you know, you get a really bright, fresh acidity. You get really like good, lively, fruity notes as well as the kind of hit of sour when yeah. they're, you know, and, and that's that's the window that we aim for with the product. So <coughs> we'll release, we'll ferment them quite fast to start with, mm-hmm. then have a mellow, a, a kind of a period for them to mellow, and then we'll and then we'll send them out there and we'll recommend that they're eaten, um, you know, within about six weeks normally of, you know, for the kimchi, for instance, mm-hmm. we put about a six-week date on them, although they're actually, um, you know, we could we could put put longer, but... That's, um, that's when you want people to eat That's when we think yeah. that they're at their very best, yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. Um, what's your favourite ferment? Like, what do you... What's, like, the, your favourite thing to make or eat or... Wine. Wine. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? I was not expecting that. I thought it was going to be like, oh, you know, our original kimchi is still my favorite. No, no, wine. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair apart enough. Wine. Yeah, apart from wine. Well, okay, so I, yeah, I mean, my my top five would probably all be cheeses. Um, but yeah, out of the things that we do, um, I don't know. I kind of, you know, I go through phases. I, I eat some of one of our products pretty much every single day. Mm. Um, Lately, I've, I've, I've weirdly been kind of getting into the plain sauerkraut, um, mm. which I was a little bit dis- disdainful of uh, uh, originally, but, you know, I don't know. Is just... that because you're just a, a, a chilly guy? You um, like the kick? It... Yeah, no, no, I'm not I, sure. I, I, would yeah. the, I would be the same. I yeah. mean, like... Yeah, I just have the urge to kind of put spicy stuff in everything. Yeah, um, that's I feel like it could be seasonal. There's something quite autumnal about the... Yeah. Yeah. About the classic sauerkraut. Yeah. And... Um, interestingly, I have got a real sort of soft spot for the mild kimchi, which, yeah. and I mean, I, I am actually, I know that sort of <laughs> segues somewhat from this idea that I'm now sort of, you know, feeble with chilies, which I'm not. And I do, you know, normally go for the sort of you don't need spiciest to of everything. Out, don't <laughs> <laughs> um, spiciest of everything, but actually um, the mild kimchi, I think really has its own characteristics and is particularly awesome with an apple. With an apple? Yeah. So you just, like, put a little pile on an apple and then... Or, like, segment, oh, like, Or just, slices. you know, you could... Slices and, you know, or you just... <laughs> while eating an apple, you could have a few forkfuls of kimchi. Nice. I have seen people... Um, just on a, on a side note, I have seen people on Instagram getting a, a slice of apple and putting stuff on it and calling it an apple donut or an apple bagel. Oh, and yeah. what, oh like so they, like, they, they push I think they're the, just cutting it into a ring so it is in the shape right, of Right, so a, you push the core through, you, yeah, you like decore yeah, so then. Yes, anyway, I'd just like to register. That, can, yeah, I'd like to put my stance, that is not a donut. No. No. I agree. Um, donuts would probably be also high on my list of fermented favourites. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you must have started quite small when you started but like yes. pe- people who are listening at home do they need to buy loads of expensive kit to do like little ferments at home or is it oh i'm glad you asked me that the answer is no oh, yeah. um <laughs> no you know if you know like a knife and a cutting board really? and and like clean hands and yeah just clean everything and uh, and a jar and a way the, the, you know the most difficult thing about fermenting stuff at home is um, making sure that the stuff stays submerged. Yeah. So if you're making kimchi, you're making a small amount of kimchi, mm. that's kind of okay. It ferments quite quickly and, and, and the chilli powder uh, makes it quite resistant to mm. mould and stuff like that. I mean, if you're making, you know, cucumber pickles, anything that floats above the surface okay. will get mouldy eventually. Because it's the bit that comes out of the liquid. Yeah, the liquid exactly. It's it airborne. Safe. So it's yeah. in an anaerobic environment. Yeah. It's diff- It's much harder for, for those unwanted Can't things. Can't botulism so, yeah. thrive in an anaerobic environment? Yes. 
That is true. That's why it's important to be really clean, right. particularly with root vegetables for us, like the highest risk, the equivalent of raw chicken in our kitchen is yeah. sort of unpeeled root vegetables. Really? And so, yeah, making sure that, that, that you know, once they're washed, they get yeah. put back into a, a clean container and, you know, that you don't contaminate. So, yeah, so anyway, uh, that's the hardest thing, I think, for people to, yeah. is, is just kind of DIYing something to sort of weight their, their ferments down. Otherwise, it is, it's incredibly easy. Uh, is there a good book that you Yeah, the, the Art of buy? Fermentation by Sandor Katz uh, yeah. is is like the Bible. Bible. It doesn't yeah. actually have recipes. It just, it just has guidelines it. and talks about techniques and stuff. Also, for more specific stuff, the um, the Bartartine cookbook, oh. um, which which was you know a bit of an inspiration for us when we were because we we got both bought that right around when we were starting yeah. this and uh, yeah that's because I guess an what you're saying place. is the process is always the process is the same. It's just what you're adding. Process to it is and, pretty simple. It's yeah. it's salting something to about two percent as usually talked about as the minimum. Yeah. Uh, it's salting something and weighting it down so it's submerged in its own mm. juices or in a brine. Yeah. And, 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 then and then just keeping it at the right temperature and yeah that's it and, and maybe just keeping it covered so that nothing nasty can get in and do people have different levels of how funky they yeah. like allow it to be yeah, I mean sure. for some people they might just smell it and go oh it's a bit awful yeah but but I think it's like with a, you I don't know, like a camembert you know yeah, some yeah, people yeah. consider it edible when it's yeah. like slippery <laughs> and smells of ammonia yeah. yeah it's all yeah I don't know and do you need like so obviously you wouldn't be fermenting in the fridge, would you? You'd be fermenting in a reasonably cool place if you were doing it at home. Um, ge- yeah, generally the sort of classic cool, dry place. So um, some, if you sort of set a temperature, yeah, um, works works quite well. You want a reasonably stable yeah. temperature as well. So um, sort of you know putting it on top of your cooker hood is not ideal. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, room temperature is quite warm in most people's homes. Yeah. So you might want to, you might want to see if you've got somewhere fast. a little bit yeah. cooler. Um, yeah. A shed or a garage is a classic place if, you know, in, in communities where, um, where fermenting's more part of their mm. current culture, um, then you'll find that often they will have pots and stuff in sheds and, and garages that are specifically for it. Mm. Also, if you're doing fermentation in any volume um there may be some uh some pretty pungent aromas yeah. <laughs> emitted from your experiments yeah. um and you may not you know necessarily want to be doing that behind the sofa in the front room yeah or we um we the first couple of months we actually started making pickles in pat's brother's house oh. uh, and to, to how happy was some, he um, not not very <laughs> He's very tolerant. We got away it. with yeah, it yeah. for a while, but uh, uh, yeah. But he had to draw the line somewhere. Yes. He's like, I need yeah, to we never would have place. gotten a whole ton of Chinese leaf done in there. Wow. Uh, for sure. So, yeah. Cool. Have you seen, I mean, for me, as a sort of food writer, I've seen it, it go from something that's quite kind of spotty, quirky mm. to be something that like everyone seems to be into. Yeah. I mean, have you seen that yourself? And seen it in, we've seen it since we. I mean, when we started with this, we were ago, thinking, yeah, oh, no, this is, this is, you know, it's getting, it's, it, it, it's going to be getting, you know, it's getting, it was starting to get more attention, yeah. but the, just the, the number of different brands there are even since we started. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, there's uh, undoubtedly. Um, my, uh, my direct sort of experience is, was that for the first, literally the first 12 or even 18 months that we were doing this, 
every single person you, that I told about what I was doing used the same phrase. And they looked at me wide-eyed and went, oh, that's a bit niche. Yeah. And <laughs> Not anymore. Literally, to a person, every single person I've told in the last 12 or 18 months about what we do goes, oh, my God, I love kimchi. It's crazy. I'm not it? sure which I preferred, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's possibly better for business now, but... Um, you know. Tell us about some of the more um, wild experiments you've got going down in that. that. That's, that's what I want to know about. That's why I came. It's for like um, the weird, the weird stuff in little pots, not like the big batch stuff. I want the yeah. weird stuff in little pots. Um, so we've been we've been uh, experimenting with growing koji uh, a lot. So so in brief. Um, a lot of familiar Asian products like soy sauce, uh, miso, mm-hmm. sake, um, rice vinegars. They're made using uh, a, a, basically uh, a spe- various species of um, fungus um, mm-hmm. in the uh, Aspergillus family. Um, they they grow that on a on a substrate of cooked rice or other cooked grains, um, and then they take that and they use it. Uh, to ferment other other products, uh, and so I, it, I didn't realise that they used koji then to make meat like miso. Or yeah, like yeah, right. Yeah, okay. so so basically, that the, the the organism you're growing this fungus. Um, it, I'm actually about to go and, and do a whole load of it this evening. Um, it, it, it's it's sort of like, it's like growing a mold. Basically, mm-hmm. you're growing a, an, an edible uh, mold species, and that that <clears> takes over very quickly. It grows. It generates heat. It has to be sort of babysat for a few days, um, and then you basically kill off the fungus using either usually using salt. But the enzymes uh, that it creates are what makes all the magic happen. So uh, the enzymes in, in rice will break down proteins in soybeans, for example, and, and create all these amino acids, and that's where all of that, like, umami, umami kind of flavor. natural MSG flavor comes yeah, from. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've been messing around with that on and off for a couple of years now, and uh, a lot of... It's gone... I wouldn't say it's gone mainstream. It's gone popular among, you know, fancy restaurants and... and yeah sort of people well, who are really I mean, into food. Miso is now like far, yeah. like far more uh, prevalent. Oh now, yeah, though. miso for sure. But now, you know, so we actually just got the, um, we just got the, our hands on the, the new Noma fermentation book and, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they've been doing what, what we've been, some of what we've been trying to do, which is taking kind of interesting sort of local ingredients and, and, and using that traditional template to make, you know, miso out of peas or yeah, right. made out of like Lancashire brown peas. Yeah, right. So cool. stuff like that, that, that's what we would, you know, we're really interested in, in using kind of British ingredients or, or, you know, interesting ingredients to make these sort of common condiments. Um, so, yeah, and, and then that that's kind of just bled over into our love of chili sauces. So we have, you know, a, a, a heavily smoked chili paste that might get turned into a kind I'm of a to that. chocolatey Mexican miso. Uh, and we've been trying to ferment some fruits uh, plums and cherries and apricots to, to make our sort of version of Japanese uh, umeboshi um, mm-hmm. which is very exciting very niche yeah. uh, and uh, I don't know what and else you had um, kasu was that uh, yeah. so you work with the uh, the sake brand yeah. from Peckham isn't it they make so, it the right so 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 Kampai is a is a, a new newish uh, sake brand uh, in Peckham they're, they're making all of this stuff uh, mm-hmm. in they just moved to a new kitchen as well. So anyway, when when they finish brewing their sake and they strain it, um, all of the spent rice uh, that's left over is teeming with enzymes and bacteria and yeast. Uh, and uh, if you add, if you mix that with salt and sugar and bury vegetables in it for a year, they go all crazy 
and kind of booty I, I and can cheesy. I uh, had some celeriac yeah. that was buried in that, and it was so yeah. good. So that 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 nine month old celeriac was a revelation. Yeah. And but there's other you know the people that do them in Japan for like five years. You know, uh, so yeah, that's if we're still here in five years. Uh, I hope I hope we can eat some five year old. Yeah, well, I'd like to come to that party. Pickled pumpkins you throw or it. something, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Glyn, well, um, Pat's actually had to run off, but um, thank you very much for uh, yeah, your time. Thanks, cause thanks it's for been coming. Come back in a few years and try some, try some uh, five-year-old pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. Thanks, bye-bye. So that was the Old Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd really love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new bumper Christmas issue on the newsstand now, or go download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. <laughs>